Of the 92 Best Picture winners, one must be crowned the bestest of the best. You're listening to The Quest for the Bestest from Backlog Banter. Your hosts are Timo Nelson, Tucker Hazel, Tanner Dykstra, and Abram Buner. You can find more of our content on YouTube and Twitter at Backlog Banter. Hey everybody, welcome back to the quest for the bestest from Backlog Banner. My name's Timo. I'm joined this week by Abram, Tucker, Tanner, and we are talking about Tom Jones. Add another teen name into the mix from 1963, directed by Tony Richardson. It's a movie of sorts. Here, let me take my ceremonial headwear off and um, we can we can begin. The An interesting movie, maybe? I don't really know quite what to think about it. I just finished it up recently. But before we talk about it, we got to go over the doings, the goings-on of last week. Last week, we talked about Going My Way with Bing Crosby. And um, we decided that it was not the worst film. It, it, It went almost to the bottom, to number 24 out of 25. And so now, on our 26th episode, we have to decide where Tom Jones goes. What are your what are, what are your thoughts to begin it? There, I mean, this this movie. Oh, yeah. I want to give oh, I want to give my first wise crack oh, of okay. the day. Wise crack. This movie confirms to me that the meme of British people should be yeah. taken much more literally, as in the British entities that live over there are not people. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, because they produce. I don't think people act like this. Called Tom Jones. I wasn't. Which is, I wasn't I even can, talking about the the production of the. Movie. I was just talking oh, about the oh, way oh, these oh. freaking people in this movie act. I was like, oh Dude, my we God. don't want to lose. We don't want to lose our UK audience. Come on now. Okay. Let's, let's uh-huh. reel it back. Let's reel it back and just insult the film instead, because Tom Jones is quite the confounding film. <laughs> Ooh, opens, good word. Yeah, thank you. It opens in a uh in a, in a surprising way we, we talked about with the like west side story we we're a little put off by the overture this is much stranger than that this is it opens up as a silent film and yes abram i know was uh very confused if he was watching the wrong film he messaged us and he's like is tom jones a silent film from 19 <laughs> from the 1960s no it is not but it opens as a silent film uh, yeah with, with, with titles and all sort of stuff yeah with the origins of our hero, Tom Jones. Our, our hero as claimed by the narrator. Yeah. And I just have to say that I was not turned off by the opening. Honestly, I think it's one of the more creatively driven aspects, sections of the film. It yeah. has a unique tone because they're doing, you know, modern cinematography with intercut with inner titles and they're using the old style, of, you know, ragtime music, whatever to go behind it. And it actually feels like there's, something behind it it's it's a it's a fun way to open the film and i thought it was an interesting way to introduce the character and i thought that it set the tone of this being sort of playful sort of uh self-reflective you know doesn't take itself very seriously Hmm. but that's not that's not the film that we watched that's a that's the first five minutes that we watched truly abram uh, what are your thoughts going past the uh the first five minutes here uh this is I've got I've got two thoughts in my head right now. This is a oh, bewildering oh win for Best Picture, first of all. <laughs> but my my other thing is this is not especially strange, and it's interesting that we're watching this now because in one of my classes at college, I'm reading Jane Eyre. Hmm. There is a whole cottage industry of incredibly long books from about this time period where there is a character in a rural setting who goes on this journey that unfolds and things happen 
just to happen and they keep happening. And actually Tom Jones was based on a book called Tom Jones from 17 something, which I looked up after, which is not surprising because characters show up, there's fight sequences. These things just happen because, well, we've got a couple hundred pages of book to write. And I just don't think that translates at all to to a compelling best picture winner. I frankly don't know what the movie was about. I cannot remember anyone's name other than Tom Jones and Molly. And I was just, I was also amused. So, this Sophie, I was amused by the film, but. Uh, so I saw a poster uh, for this. I, I saw a poster for this film and that inspires me to ask a question. The poster said that it was the greatest comedy of all time. Was oh. this movie funny oh. or not? I think we laughed at it at it ex- at its expense, but not yeah, its we didn't uh, laugh quality. When it when it wanted us to laugh, we laughed at the move. This movie existing generally and doing what it did, mostly uncomedically. Yeah. So we talked in uh, at least I talked in our review of You Can't Take It With You that I could appreciate the comedy of the era, the style of comedy it was going for, but it didn't resonate with me. Mm-hmm. I can't even really look back at Tom Jones and understand where the humor was supposed to be derived from. There's humor situations like catching Molly with the, the fat guy who never appears again. Oh, that, when, actually, when that was pretty sense. funny. That was a pretty funny moment. It, <laughs> the curtains pull back moment, and the guy's but... just started like, oh. <laughs> it's a gag moment, but it, yeah, it's, it's a really one-off thing. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, there's, like a, there's like a whimsy. Is the whimsy supposed to be funny? I don't know. I didn't feel it. It's what I think it was going for like a raunchy sex comedy. I think that's what it is. 1960s, but made in the 1960s and taking place in the 1600s. So all that sort of all the raunchy elements are not only bulldozed by the time period, but also bulldozed by the production norms of the time it was made. Yeah. Um, so one thing I, I looked I, a little bit. So, sorry, Tucker, but to that point, actually, I looked a little mm-hmm. bit into the response because this film has very mixed audience response. But there were there are some really positive critical reviews saying that it was a raunchy sex comedy that celebrates sex. Hmm. And I don't see it. I, I think that this is definitely a film where there's a clear disconnect between the lens we view it through and probably what you were supposed to experience. But yeah. I think that speaks to the fact that just like you were saying, it's out of it's out of time in terms of 60s and the 1600s. Like we just don't connect to this film and it's hard to see it for whatever merits it had at the time now. Yeah. yeah. Well, the one thing I was going to say is I just wanted to set our expectations uh, a little bit properly for what this movie re- was received like critically because as we know, one best picture, but it also won adapted screenplay, which as we said, it was adapted from a book. It won original score, which I... Didn't have any complaints about the score. I don't really remember. It, I but, do uh, have a complaint about the score. I'm going to complain about the score. So okay, all right. Well, just let me get through this real quick. <laughs> yeah. Uh, because there's something much more interesting than the score winning. Oh, okay. Uh, it won best director for Tony Richardson, um, which I'll comment on that a little bit. But uh, it was also nominated for best actor for Albert Finney, which you know, good job, whatever. Uh, supporting it. actor for um, Hugh Griffith, who was Squire Western, Sophie's father, and it was uh, nominated for supporting actress for uh, Joyce Redman, supporting actress. For Diane Salento and supporting actress for Edith Evans. <laughs> so it got three supporting I, I actors. Ca- did you catch what I said there? Yeah, three yeah. of them. Five yeah. actor nominees, three in one category. 
I think I was nervous only... that you were going to say cinematography. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was nervous about. No, no. Like, well, I also uh, nominated for production design, which actually that was something that I think no, probably deserved I'm, a nomination. I'm, yeah, I'm really glad that the interchangeable female for this all got nominated for best actress. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like um, uh, comments on the score. Comments on the score. We it's can get a into harpsichord, it. Harpsichord, I believe, is what it's a full. It's called. a full orchestra, but it's mainly a harpsichord. And it sucks. It's grating on your eardrums. It it drops in at the at just at the worst. It drops in at the worst times, and it, there's never a right time for it to drop in because it just sounds so like it sounds like nails on a chalkboard. Now that's and that's just, going for Tanner's hating the, on the harpsichord as an instrument. I think the harpsichord yeah. was played fine, and it was weird. But you know, we're not really used to seeing the harpsichord. What I didn't like was the like raunchy like the raunchy music played by the full orchestra just sounded so there was like times where like there was like a theme a leitmotif in the score um mm. where they would they would um play they would I can't even hum it right now but it was it was so weird because he was like, I was like, I know this is being performed by like strings and like woodwinds, but it's like supposed to sound like that, like sleazy, like jazz, like wow, wow, And it was like, oh my God. I just did. I was like, I, every time it played, I was like, oh, it's, oh, that again. I don't want to hear that. Ooh, ooh, stop. No, ah, stop. Um, the one thing I was going to comment on on the director, Tony Richardson, is he was very influential for this time period. He basically started what is called the British New Wave of the time, mm-hmm. which was just you know a genre, a genre type of films from uh, from Britain in that time period. And this was the one that kind of started that off. I think he had some couple earlier films, but this was one of the big early ones. Um, so a lot of the things that I did in terms of what we're going to talk about with with the editing and the cinematography and there's a lot of experimentation with this film and whether it hit for us or not it was very influential and it and it spawned a huh. whole wave of of films that sort of followed its style so i think best director is probably in the time period made a lot of sense but for us today not being familiar with tony richardson not necessarily enjoying the direction of the film it might feel a little bit out of place i think the well, film certainly had direction we can give it that. It has a vision. It has a clear goal of yeah. what it wants to do. Uh, but th- that goal was maybe not the sometimes right one. Experiments, sometimes experiments can go wrong. Yeah. They they did not <laughs> sure. find their hypotheses to be truthful in this experiment. Well, what's interesting about the film's style is that it's so variable. There's like the sequence where the woman falls off the horse where the camera is going nuts. <laughs> or there's also the sequence when the, the, the two people at the end of the film are listening in through the door and it's cutting between still frames. There's a lot of strange one-off stylistic elements that yeah. perhaps they're influential, but they don't feel cohesive. Mm-hmm. I, I think there's a lack of cohesion throughout the film. Uh, I agree. I think it has to do something with the fact that there's really no natural transitions in this. It's a lot of there's side wipes. There's there's uh, a circle. Oh, there's all kinds of great um, iMovie transitions in this. I enjoyed those just out of pure like, oh, my God, they're really using it. And this film really won Best Picture. But but there's I, I don't recall any actual just natural just cuts to a different scene. I think they always had to do a wipe. Of some kind. I, had, so, I think there were multiple house. wipes in, in scenes to it at times. Yeah. Yeah. And on top of that, it, it's not naturally transitioning from scene to scene because we have a narrator 
telling us what's going to happen next, telling us what's going on in, in Tom's head. And I honestly think that that contributes to the weird pacing of the whole thing and not feeling like it has a, a core structure because we're just listening to someone talk about a guy. We don't learn a lot about Tom Jones because he's kind of just this bumbling dip fuck in the background <laughs> who's who's just having a lot of shit happen to him. And, and, I, and I really think that he is he generation. he is active in one regard, though. He is in in no uh, uncertain terms a horny motherfucker and really <laughs> likes to forward. have sex. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Pardon my French, but a horny motherfucker. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, that is very true. Um, Which is where all even... of the drama and the th- I mean, we were we're talking about all these weird elements that we actually normally don't get to. We yeah. we we don't always talk about the score and and really dive into editing and transitions. But we're talking about it here, I think, because we I don't know what to say about the actual content of the film. Yeah. I mean, um, like the story yeah. was was very weird to me um, and it, truly, truly all over the place. I mean, everywhere and and with lots of characters and it's got a it's got a second 45 minutes that are just like or the last 45 minutes of it are just there's new characters and they have new relationships and then and it's like i can't keep it straight because they all talk the same and they pretty much all look the same and and at that point i was like i was lost and so i was like roll my eyes back in the head and look for some weird camera gags i guess yeah i think that's where those latter 45 minutes is where i started to i I was fighting the 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 urge to doze off yeah he fell asleep twice i think I think so. Yeah. And uh, you know what? I don't feel like I missed anything of substance in this film. So that, that's very telling, I feel. Well, um, actually, that, that phrasing there, of substance, I, I think why we're not connecting this film at all. Because not only is it disjointed in its story, not only does it do weird things like the transitions that feel a little bit cheap, it does some experimental stuff and then click with us, but this film has negative five thematic material. There is no tone, <laughs> there's no tone, there's no... Uh, like I'm, or there's no like thematic there's nothing to grab onto there's no nothing to take with you from mm. the film I, the guy is just an idiot and and then conveniently at the end he's actually a high class guy the most convenient plot twist of all time mm-hmm. it's just shoved into our faces at the end and i and I, it made it I, i'm watching this movie at the end i'm like why why do i care why would i watch it there's no there's nothing to grab onto here yeah so to to share my perspective as a self self-loathing english major this yeah. is clearly an, an instance of a much more uh engaging and introspective book being stripped to the bare minimum and being put on screen yeah. because a lot of the the like tropes of finding old family members or or working into a fortune are usually earned character moments after a life of like Tom Jones has in the movie of everything going wrong in a, in a completely unbelievable and over the top way. But you don't see that. You can't really feel it because this movie is like two hours long and we got to move because we've got sword fights. We've got infidelity. We've got mistaken identity. We have all this stuff we have to cover that, that probably in, I don't know how long Tom Jones was, but in a book that was significantly longer and had time for these characters to sit and develop yeah. relationships, there probably was something there but as a lot of adaptations go, there's only so much you can carry over in a in a reasonable length of time, which just makes this hard. This makes it makes the film inaccessible. I think. Remember when he joined the military for like 15 minutes? <laughs> you slept through a hearty portion of that one. Oh wow! 
no, no, but yeah, you're right. There's a lot of things that just feel like one-offs and don't really play into the larger story. You're right. The um, family reunion. He meets the guy who was his dad, and he's like, "Dad!" And then, and then, like, bit character, side character. Well, then it's Mm -hmm. revealed that he's not his dad, but it's not super clear. It's yeah, but no, I think it's is is actually. Are you're right? Yeah, it's his mom was. the sister, his uh, mom was the sister of the guy who raised him, and his villainous sort of rival brother, stepbrother. He's kind of adopted, and then his his mom was abandoned. But then she comes back at the end, and he he sleeps with her in a bed, and they might have had sex. I don't know. But there, then there's a whole web here that just is not properly laid out. It's just too. I think it's truly too complicated to lay out mm-hmm. in a movie. I don't think. I mean, I think Abram's point is is very clear and strong in that this film is is too short and too long it's too short to tell the story and it's too long for my enjoyment um to use a a word that that's uh, rare i'd like to talk about something that i did like about this film but uh but I'll, i'll get to that in just a second uh, because you know this this interconnected web of, of of romances and connections is something that's common among media from that takes place in this uh, to use a word that our roommate used Jennifer Prue shout out the Regency era uh, it's it it you get all your you get your pride and prejudices you get your Jane Eyre's yeah all that kind of stuff more recently Br- Bridgerton on on Netflix I think yeah doing that. But uh, this is going for like a, a raunchy sex comedy thing. So none of that matters because that's all about like unrequited, like you're stopped by the social you know, the social norms of the time. This doesn't use any of that. Well, that's not true. The story of this film is his forbidden love with Sophie. Is He's a horny motherfucker, but he's a horny oh, motherfucker okay. with a heart. I guess he, that's he, true. he has a love for this girl who is in a different class than him, and no one will let him be with her. That's the, that's the plot of the movie. The I, we haven't even brought that up, but this is a romance movie with the core of him wanting to be with this girl, and he goes out and he chases her. I thought he, couldn't, because... I thought he couldn't be with Sophie because they were, like, related. No. What? No. Because he's like lower class. He's, he's a bastard child. That's why. That's why he's not allowed to be with her. Wow. That but then it turns out he's not. So they have a ending. That was not made clear. I want to draw a comparison to now, now that we fixed Godfather Part 2, the other enormous snub on our list being Shakespeare in Love. Because I think there's a lot of Shakespeare DNA in this film because really what it is is sort of like Shakespeare's body sex humor b plot that's in that's sprinkled throughout a lot of his texts but foregrounded as tom jones there's a lot of i i got a lot of notes of shakespeare for for mostly worse here you know but i think i think there is like like tucker said there there is this sort of unrequited love but it doesn't really matter it's really circumspect the entire thing so i just think the movie's confused I was confused and I don't really want to say anything else about the plot because I can't, or I'd be lying because I'd be making things up. He almost died. <laughs> he almost got hung. That's I true. Said, yeah. yeah. That's yeah. supposed to be like a really emotional moment. Is it like you've seen this I don't know if there's followed the entire yeah. time. He almost died. He, he's on the gallows and then they, yeah, they come in and save him. <laughs> <laughs> um, Tanner, you I were do, going I, to say about something that you liked and I want to hear, because I, I do have something that I liked about this movie too. Okay. I do like, how this film uh, portrays just the grossness, the griminess of the era. Oh. There's just there's a thing at the beginning where it's just a bunch of old, disgusting British dudes just like chowing down on some like 
like brown and gray miscellaneous meat and there's, <laughs> there's various scenes where like people i think there's a scene when they're about to go on the hunt which is shot terribly by the way i won't well, we talk about cameras. the hunt i i'm gonna disagree that it's shot terribly because i love that scene maybe not for its merits but because the, ca- the camera's all shaky and it's too dark and but that's besides the point because there's just people rolling around in mud and horses are knocking people over and they go on the hunt and they, they, the camera like holds on like this deer that they slaughtered and there's blood coming out of its mouth and like hey hey and the, it's getting all over them uh and i think the the scene that probably does it the most memorably is in that sexually charged scene i guess with uh tom and maybe sophie i don't know one of the no it's with his not mother right the one at the end is not mother mother who he thought was his mother and they slept together (laughs) when they're just like chowing down on food and it's getting over their mouth and they're dropping it on the table i think this film did a good job of showing how disgusting the era was i i sent out a request for everyone to bring a pair i don't think any of us did because i want to do a little bit of prop comedy we have pairs downstairs i can go grab one we did buy pairs yeah but uh, that no, I think that scene's probably the most memorable part so. of the movie. Not necessarily because it's great, but just because like, what the what the hell am I watching? Why is this <laughs> happening? But I mean, it is funny in that way, and I think it's the one thing I'm going to take away from this movie when I think about Tom Jones. Like, oh yeah, the scene where they just slurped everything on they they, they have a really yeah. suggestive meal. Yeah. Well, here's yeah, what you're forgetting. This meal. This film is so overstuffed that Tom Jones stops a rape with just a with just a branch. He fights a military oh, yeah. 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 to stop a rape in the middle of a field, and we've forgotten about it. There, yeah, there's yeah, so much right. to this movie. There's so much and so little in yeah. a lot of ways. The thing that I really liked, besides, I really liked that chase scene just by how it was so long. The 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 chase scene, the hunt, it was so long, and it was so like just it was intense for a lack of a better word really and i thought i thought just how like over the top that's the way it was shot like they it it had to be a conscious choice just to shoot it like super shaky very zoomed in from a car i guess following the horse and just like with the yeah we were trying to figure out how they even did that like keeping up with the horses and like going on this crazy terrain and Camera was steady. Was watching. Well, like it was up above oh. them as well. Yeah. yeah. So I think it was a mixture of helicopter and probably a process truck. They had those back in the sixties. Well, I don't think I don't think it was helicopter because you would have seen the blades of grass going like everyone's shit would have been going crazy. Um, well, you use a big long lens on a helicopter, and that's not a problem. Uh, I guess that's true because you can put it far away. But like uh, that was a conscious choice, and like the, the shot, the super close ups of them like beating the horses till they were blood like. Leading yeah, just like really characterized, I think, like you said earlier, characterized the era and like set the stage for this like gross and grimy. And then it also characterized my favorite character in the film, which was the um the ground the the hunts guy, the the groundkeeper dude, the like the sort of father of Tom Jones. He yes, the one that he thought was his father. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Okay. Who did? Who? I love that guy. Think? He, he well, oh. just like the way he acted and was like, he's, <laughs> he was always like, he was always he yelling was, at something and he was always running after something. I thought that was a delightful character to watch just because of how like ludicrous it is. Was he the shitty robber? No. Yes. Yes. Oh. Yes, he was. It, it was a guy who tried to rob the, the, uh, the stagecoach or whatever. No, and he no, just no. Did a terrible job. Not that guy. The game, the gameskeeper, the, the dude who was always talking about going on the hunts. 
That's Sophie's dad. Oh, so yeah, yeah, yeah you're right. So Sophie's dad. I loved Who him. Was because... nominated for best supporting actor. Oh, okay. Hugh Grant. Uh, I do. I like the shitty shitty robbers are always fun in any in any movie. Um, yeah, that was funny. But uh, I think I think uh, my thesis on this film is going to be three words, uh, four words. Excuse me. Uh, it's going to be watch Barry Lyndon instead. <laughs> Stanley Kubrick's Barry Lyndon. Just watch that. It's set in the same era. It's about this. It's a it's the life story of this one guy. It's much more interesting. Has most of the elements and does them infinitely better. I'm sure that's true. I haven't seen that movie personally, yeah. but there, there's actually I think. I'm a little bit higher up on the cinematography than you guys are. I, I know you've all been complaining about it, but I think the experiment experimentality of it actually does give it a unique charm. Even if it's not consistent throughout, I think the fact that they try those freeze frames, they do really intense intercutting. Um, they have one sword fight sequence. that's like under a bridge where they, they're tracking back and forth behind these pillars. I'm like, that's that's so cool. The choreography works so well. But there are moments, I think, where the cinematography really shines. And and I, in those moments, really liked it where on the whole it was kind of, you know, just disjointed and jarring. But mm -hmm. I think there are I think there certainly are moments that do deserve praise and are part of the reason why this film I think was so influential. I like the cinematography so too. Film. Um I just want to throw that out there. I thought it was it was interesting and it, it never really, even though it was disjointed and kind of weird at times, it didn't take away from the storytelling to me um if it even if it didn't really add a huge amount i still thought there were interesting and cool shots sure my problem with the cinematography is that it felt jarring when it would change styles and it would take me out of the experience for me i think really successful cinematography is visually interesting and has like an artistic thrust behind it but it doesn't take me out of what the film is trying to tell me it instead enhances a feeling a certain element of the composition but instead, I was just constantly spooked, I suppose, by the <laughs> fact that we would have still shots sometimes. We would transition into this Jason Bourne-like shaky cam at certain sequences. I just think that the lack of cohesion ends up taking away more from the film than it, than it gains. You know, if it's, sure. if it's a sort of experimental thing, let's throw it out and it gets a, adopted by other people in, what you say, British new wave cinema, yeah. then sure. But I think by its own merits, it, it detracts from what Tom Jones is trying to accomplish. Sure. Well, anything else we want to bring up? I... Uh, I don't know. I don't have a whole lot more to talk. Or actually, oh. I, I, let's shit on this movie even in a, a greater oh. degree. Is is title oh, character Tom Jones? He's such he's such a flat character. He's one note, no yeah. personality, no real character arc. He's kind of just an an asshole to most people, but he's also kind of charming in some ways all the way throughout. And there's just no changes. And as Abram said, shit just happens to him. He's just not an interesting character to follow. And that's the whole push of our movie is following this guy's entire life yeah. anything else to say about that i don't know uh, i mean this sequence i'm scouring my notes for any funny jokes i might have made so just give me a second okay while you while you guys are thinking send me your votes and uh we can oh we true can abram finish up what you're saying tabulate the, the sequence that really feels emblematic of how tom jones is just a bizarre character and everyone around him is equally bizarre is when he brings uh sophie a bird and then the other guy who I can't remember the name of for the life, oh. he just lets it go. And He's Tom Jones bat. climbs up a tree. He just climbs up the tree and rescues the bird and falls into a lake with the bird in his hand. Like and then, he, it, and then, it, and then it, the freeze frame on him being all muddy and stuff. 
I never know how to read his character. I never really know how to read anything of the film. It's just a bunch of images and mm. sounds. It's like Transformers 5. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's a... I, I would really argue, hope we never would, make that uh, comparison again on the show. I would argue that this that Transformers 5 might be more memorable than Tom Jones. Well, we'll see. Yeah. Well, when we'll we see. review Best Picture winner Transformers 5. Yeah, Transformers <laughs> The Last Night, starring Marky Mark Wahlberg. Okay, I have a number for us. We've gotten a votes. Uh, we are continuing to stay down in the... <laughs> The, yeah. the latter the latter numbers and the later numbers yeah we did not get one vote above 20 we did not get one vote above 22 actually abram put it highest at 22 we had mm. two votes for 24 from me and tucker and one final vote for 26 from tanner so that all averages out really nicely to 24th 24th ah, place. Okay. i guess yeah it there does it perfectly balanced as all things should be yep so thoughts about that i I can lead off and say that even though this film is weird and has a lot of interesting stuff, I can, I think I could get enjoyment from a, a making fun of it and b seeing this weird stuff that it does and just this, it's it's kind of novel. It's a little bit. It's it's certainly more novel than going my way was. Um, yes. And so, yeah, Devin, so. In, in my in my ranking um, gets to go above above that just. Even though it's weird, it's not necessarily boring in my mind because there's always something happening, even if it's unconsequential and, you know, completely out of left field. Hmm. Not a great bar to set. Other thoughts? There's, there's always um, something happening. Abram, you had it up at um, 22. What was what was your thinking on that? I, well, my, my thinking was that I certainly found it less monotonous than, than starting with Out of Africa and working my way down. I, I uh, think sure. that experimentation, the pace are bizarre, but they keep you intrigued. And here's how I think of it. I was in, I was in um, Times Square one time at night in New York, mm. and there's a guy with an enormous snake. And I was alarmed and confused, and I didn't want him to bring a snake near me, and I didn't know why the snake was there. But I'll always remember where the snake was. It was it was a bizarre moment, and I feel the same way about Tom Jones. I'll always remember watching it and how peculiar it is, and I'll never understand why it won Best Picture. But on the back of his experimentation, on the on the back of of I think pretty good production design, on the back of I think some compelling elements, I didn't feel like I needed to stop the movie. I watched this one in one sitting, which I don't always do with the films below it. I, I think it held my attention better than certainly out of Africa and certainly going my way and certainly the great Siegfeld. Yeah. Yeah. It makes me sad that from your attorney is down there with all those. Cause that's such well, a better movie than every single one of these. Mm, <laughs> no, but well, I'm on the exact same page as, as Timo. I think the fact that this film does clearly have an artistic vision. It does things that are experimental that are influential. It's just so much more interesting than going my way. Like going my way was just, a generic comedy from the time that happened to have Bing Crosby in it. And it wasn't that special because of it. Like this, this is a more memorable film. And I think I can see more than uh, going my way, why it won best picture because of the things I mentioned, because of its influence, because of it's experimentation. Um, and then yeah, the great thing fails down, down the bottom. Uh, well, see what's interesting about what you just said, Tucker, is that you're wrong. It's not more memorable. <laughs> yeah, it's not more memorable. It is the least memorable one that I've watched. Uh, the, you slept through twenty minutes of it. Exactly. Exactly. It was. It was I didn't sleep through any of the other ones, even though we watched them at roughly the same time of day. 
So that tells me something about myself. And uh, <laughs> the, fact that, the fact that, well, not myself and this movie, I should have said. And the fact that I can, I can basically be half awake through about 20 minutes of this and not miss anything that I felt would have swayed me or improved the film in any way, shape, or form, even a, in a minuscule grain of sand amount of improvement, uh, tells me that this is probably the worst one we've watched thus far. Well, there yeah. you have it. We um, all have very reasonable perspectives on this. Yep, and I, so I think it is reasonable that we just go with our go with our straight average, go with our votes. It's nice yeah. and clean, um, as this movie is not. And so yeah. uh, that brings us to uh, time to visit the spin wheel. Now, this week we have a little bit of a of a difference because the Oscars are coming up. So I've prepared yeah. a spin wheel for us to take a look Special. at. <laughs> Uh, at what we're going to be watching next week. So let's take a spin. Here we go. Oh, wow. Oh, there it wow. goes around and around I've, and around. I really wonder I what we're going to get. I made a promise that I wouldn't sing the wheel song during this one. So uh, I'm, I'm going to hold to that. Oh, wow. We got number one. What well, do you know? Uh, first, I'm just going to kind of explain is what we're doing from now on for the next uh -huh. eight weeks is, or no, uh, four weeks, Five I guess. Weeks. Five God, whatever. Five <laughs> weeks. We're reviewing the Best Picture nominees for the 2021 Oscars. Um, we've we, the nominees came out this morning, which you know kind of places where we record these things. But uh, but we have chosen our order of how we want to watch them roughly, and uh, that number one stands for Sound of Metal. No. No, Judas it doesn't. The it stands for no, Judas and the Black Messiah. You really fuck that one up. Uh, yeah. the, whole, the whole lead up we into talked, it. We talked for literally 15 minutes before we started recording about what order to announce these in. <laughs> well, I was playing with my hair. We, Folks, it's Judas and the Black Messiah. And Tucker, we'll be back uh, next week to talk about Judas and the Black Messiah. It's a separate list. It's kind of just a little break from... Yeah. From the quest for the bestest, we're just going to try to figure out what the best picture is. And then I hope when the best picture winner is revealed, we will have to have a discussion about where it goes on the on the main list. Very of true. Of course, true. yeah. Um, and so to be fair for to be fair for the audience, the show is basically exactly the same, but only we're just watching 2021 now. Yeah. So mm -hmm. you're going to get the same thing. You're actually going to get more content. We're yeah. recording two of these a week. Mm-hmm. So we got to get them in before the for the April 25th Oscars. Yep. Mm -hmm. So um, I hope you join us for that. That's going to be really fun. Take a get a get a look at the new movies. Figure out what you missed from you know last uh, six eight months of of highbrow films. I would say yes. they're, they're pretty highbrow this year. Um, yeah, we've had some lower brows recently. Yeah, we, yeah. The, the the random number wheel has sort of failed us, and so we've taken us <laughs> taken it into our own hands and are going to just choose um, for the next next four weeks or so, and then we'll be back yes. with uh, with. Well, well, whatever the wheel does give us for whatever when we eventually return to our traditional quest programming. So I thank you guys for joining me. Um, that was fun, even if the movie was something else. Um, recommended? Yes, no? That's our final question. No way. Nope. Watch no. Barry Lyndon instead. <laughs> watch Barry Lyndon yeah, instead. Yeah, watch Barry Lyndon instead. That's the, that's the, uh, the tagline for this episode. Yeah. The four-line, the four-line word tagline. So we'll be back next week with... Uh, Judas and the Black Messiah. See you then. Peace.